0: Marigold and Patchwork by Appleseed Cast was one of the most influential songs on me growing up. Uh, I fanboy pretty hard in this episode about this song and about the band, so I won't say too much about it right now, but it certainly was enjoyable to sit down with a good friend like Michael and just uh, talk about how meaningful this song really is to me.
1: So, Brandon, Sully's upstairs, my man, and he's been gaming mm-hmm. on, he's been gaming on, is it called Bowser's Castle? Bowser's Fury. Yeah, Bowser's the new, Fury.
0: The, yeah, the, the, the new Switch game.
1: So, it looks super cool. Um, so, my question for you is, what has been little little unknown, perhaps known fact about me, I'm not sure. I used to get in pretty hard on the PC gaming. I used to video game a lot, obviously, like, I'm part of this generation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I used to get into PC gaming a lot. Um, and as I mentioned, I kind of, I kind of stay away from video games simply because I think they're super cool and I don't, I'm, I'm bad enough at what I'm trying to do. I don't (laughs) need to make it any harder on myself by distracting myself with video games, but I'm just kind of interested. I've never pointedly asked you having the children you have and having their video game and like computer, like, have you had some fun experiences playing video games? What have those been like recently? What's that like?
0: I appreciate the question because I grew up. I grew up playing video games like anybody in our generation, as well. You know, uh, owned basically every Nintendo console growing up. Somehow, I don't. I don't know how I was fortunate enough to be able to be in a position to play like on every console. I still even have some of the original consoles sitting right in this room. But uh, I never got so into gaming that it like. <sighs> was taking over my life necessarily and I never got into PC games at all. It was all console stuff. There were a couple of games I got really into on like the PS2, the end of course I like I, I want to think of when I was 18 years old and then older. Like when you're when you're 10 or 12 and you're playing on the N64 or the the Sega Genesis. Like you're a kid, you're playing video games. We our kids will play video games too, but when it's summer, we actually like Or or I should say spring through fall and you can be outside and play outside. We absolutely make points for like, let's all just go out and get some fresh air. But I've never like felt like my kids spending time on video games are just total waste of time because especially now with some of the games that are out, you can actually express some decent amount of creativity on them in all honesty. But it's funny because Joe Rogan, even he, he talked about playing video games like he just couldn't let himself do it because there was a time in his life where it just consumed his life. And he knows like when he sees a good video game, it like could just take away every 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 career. He's got multiple different things he does for a career and it could just damage all of them. Right. So there is it is important to recognize the time waster that it can be. But we definitely have to answer your question. We definitely have some fun moments actually playing Wheel of Fortune because Becky gets really competitive with it. That's a super fun game to play, and Anneli's been enjoying it. And uh, but we we also play Mario Kart, and my kids are good at Mario Kart. My brothers are really good at Mario Kart. So even across our whole family, like if we get together playing Mario Kart can be fun because everybody gets pretty competitive. Everybody can hold up their own, and uh, uh, you know even even playing around. I mean, I look. <clears throat> I mop them up most of the time. Okay, let's get that out. <laughs> Not my brothers. Like, my my brother Sam especially is like, dude, my brother Ben, he got so good. I'm really sorry, Ben, if you listen to this, but I think it was Halo. Maybe it was, no, was it? Um, oh, it was Call of Duty. Call of Duty, yeah. He got, like, I mean, top, top-notch good at that. Like, he could he could be a professional streamer. Streaming, how good he was at Call of Duty, like he was phenomenal. I but and and Sam kind of got that way with almost with like Mario Kart in my mind at least, and we we would nerd out on some Guitar Hero and stuff too, dude. But I don't know. I play. I I do play um, uh, some Mario games. Um, at, you know, on a weekly basis, I will pick up a Nintendo controller and play some Nintendo on a weekly basis. But I don't like live. To play video games. It is just kind of hanging out. It's fun playing with Sully too. He really enjoys it. And with Mario Maker, you could actually play with multiple people playing the same level at the same time. And so it's just kind of a fun way to
1: hang with the kids. Yeah. And uh, as you know, for some reason, Sully really likes me, which I <laughs> i am very honored. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping to play a little Bowser's Fury with him and he's been collecting these cat shines. Yeah, and <laughs> and he doesn't stop talking about it. I'm not gonna mess with him because I'm not <laughs> I'm not like that demented because you know obviously especially with Sully you know he he can take things very literally so I'm not I'm not trying to like trip him up mentally, but I I kind of am determined to find a cat shine and I don't know where he's at with like if he'd be okay with me finding one or if he wants to find them all himself, <laughs> but I I kind of want to tell him I'm not leaving here until we find. And I'll use the words goddamn <laughs> <laughs> until we find a goddamn catch <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't use those words. But anyways, um, it's, yeah. uh, what a great segue because uh, talking about youth, talking about yeah. fun, sweet memories of youth, uh, Brandon, I'm going to let you bring this one in because you've been listening to this band, uh, even more specifically this song for- uh, Since the beginning, man.
0: Yeah, since it came out.
1: Would it come out in 76? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 1998. 1998, in fact. I was 15 years old, man. So let's talk about it. What's what's up with this song? Why'd you choose it? Bring it it in. So I think Appleseed Cast
0: has been at the top of the heap um, since I've really been... Since I had really started falling in love with music. It was kind of... A similar thing with with Pedro the Lion, you know, they they came out when I was really fallen in love. I have this memory of, so in the band that I was playing in, uh, it was with Sean Cran, and I have said before, he's the guy, so I started learning chords from my dad, but Sean was the one that was like really teaching me how to play guitar, and I was learning how to play guitar as I was playing in a band as well with him. And so it was a really, really fun and cool experience to learn new things, to hear new things. And he was, all, he was um, a year older than me and he was always you know, five steps ahead of me when it came to um, playing guitar um, and, and understanding how to make certain sounds and things with a guitar. Like He taught me what a power chord was. Like that's who, that's, you know what I mean? So all the basics and everything. And we, we, we learned and went through things together. And so I have this very vivid memory of going over to his house <clears throat> and it wasn't for band practice it was to hang out because he had just heard this new band and we, we we he wanted to listen to it together. So when you when you walk into his house you go in through the front door and there's you know just a little entryway and then you take a left and it's this open concept where it's just, it's the living room and then uh, I-90 is, their backyard is I-90, okay? So there's always through the window, you could always see these cars just driving by. But you you walk in, it's got the open living room and then the open kitchen. There's no doorway to get into any of it. And then when you when you take a left out of the entryway, go towards the kitchen, there are the, the stairs going down to the basement, all open, no door to go down to it or anything. So I just... This was one of those like you know when somebody's working on a factory line and their hands are doing the same motions all the time. Walking into Sean Cran's house, going into the entryway, taking a left through the kitchen and going down the basement steps was something I did on a very regular basis at that time of my life. And it's just it's for for whatever reason it felt like that that memory it I it makes me want to go back to that house just to do that. Because it was, uh, it was just this very repetitive, exciting thing. There was so much excitement whenever I would go down to his basement because I knew we were going to play music. And so I remember going in, taking that left turn, going down the basement stairs, and then underneath the staircase, there was a couch that he had. And across that, against the wall, when you sit on the couch and you look against the other wall in the basement, was his stereo system. And it was a nice, I mean, it was, it clearly had to be Sean's dad's equipment. It was very nice equipment. And I just, I remember him putting the end of the Ring Wars into the CD player. And we sat on that couch and listened to that album. And I, it just blew my mind, man. And I think the, the romanticism, is that a word? Completely. Completely the romanticism of the moment, like how meaningful music was, I was at the prime age of falling in love with it, how good the band was, I was sitting next to my best friend who also taught me guitar. There are just all kinds of incredible things as I'm older now that happened in that moment that I understand why it's unforgettable. And so this song, this album, maybe carries with it one of the best memories I have in music, in listening to music. And I have many, you know, some car drives with Brian Bartz, I have, I have others, but this is probably the first one that existed within me. And right from the beginning, when the guitars uh, start strumming those chords, there's something powerful and meaningful in those chords Um. That have kind of transcended, um, like, <clears throat> I, I, don't know, I don't know a good way to explain this, and for whatever reason, the visual in my mind is, do you, do you know when, when on The Office, Jim is offering Dwight a mint after he shuts his computer down so that every time it plays the sound of the computer shutting down,
1: yeah, he's doing he, the Pavlovian exp- yeah, experiment yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Exactly,
0: he would offer him a mint, and so eventually, what happens is he just shuts his computer down, and Dwight puts his hand out to receive a mint, right? Um, because his his mind had been trained to hear that hear that noise and get a mint, and that's the only reason Jim did it was just for the one time that Dwight would reach his hand out, and it happened, right? Um, the guitar chords at the beginning of this song, I have heard this song so many times that there's like, um, I I don't know how to explain what it is to me. It's almost not even a guitar playing chords. It is just this indescribable familiar sound. And so there aren't a whole lot of musical moments or or songs that I can put in the same category of this just familiar, it's like a familiar voice or it's both from my past and my present. It's just deeply rooted within me to almost transcending it actually being guitar, It, it being a guitar playing it. I can't explain it, what it is to me. But there's just this, this. Uh, it it just resides so deeply within my core that I I I. It's hard to consider it even a song, and I I, and I know that sounds really stupid, but um, that's just kind of where this is at. And so I I knew that eventually I'd want to talk about this. I actually was saving this song a little bit. I would have brought it up as one of the very first songs, but. I know this song has meant a lot to, to other people. I know that I know Appleseed cast has meant a lot to other people um, that I know. And so I didn't know if somebody would want to kind of join us for the conversation. And then eventually, I, I mean, we've had plenty of conversations with other people, but they've been bringing kind of songs that have been meaningful. And I thought, you know what? I just want to bring it to the table because it's an incredibly meaningful song and that memory of, of it and, and it coming at a time of falling in love with music. Um, I, I feel like, I just wanted to kind of explain that story because I, I hear um, when the drums come in, now, back back then and even now, the drummer of uh, the drummer on this album is just unbelievable. He's it's so it's so good. And it was amongst the people I was hanging out with. Like, do you remember me talking about Stan Halsey from Accidental Evolution? Just a, an unbelievable drummer. I talked about him on the fire theft episode. This guy played drums so well. He's un- unbelievable. And he would revere the drummer from the Appleseed cast as like top notch. This guy knows how to get it done, right? So amongst my circle of friends too, we all were just enamored with the drums. And uh, I find myself when I hear new songs and uh, I play like the drum beat on my steering wheel, or I have the drum sound in my head, I often find myself putting the drum fills that are in this song at the end of phrases, I mimic these drum fills. So like the fundamental drum sound in my head going from uh, like just in phrasing and even when I write songs, I catch myself. And it's not even specific to Appleseed cast across all, it's this song, the drum fills that are within this are what moves my fingers to this day to those drum beats. It's it's just it's just so ingrained in me. This song is so ingrained in me that it's come out in all of those so and that's not foreign to a to a musician, right? Everybody has bands and albums and songs that they've loved and they're influenced by them and even subliminally and they've shaped, helped shape their sound. That's just what this song is to me. So Sorry for the long rant. No, got I more, mean it was needed. But there, yeah, there yeah,
1: because this is—I mean, this is probably one of the most foundational songs, and that was probably one of the one of the most important core experiences. You know, not, I shouldn't say most important, but a, a very pivotal experience that you had at that age. You know, it's cool that it's cool to hear that story. I haven't heard that specific story, and also, um, this Sean Cran dude sounds like a pretty cool dude
0: yeah he was a uh, um, and I'm certain he is to this day
1: it's a, really a shame that I haven't talked with him in so many years, but he uh,
0: was very fundamental in shaping me musically for sure
1: yeah is there a possible reach out maybe i I'd, um,
0: i should I should just get past my whole cynicism of social media and actually jump on Facebook and ask his wife who I, I think is I think she is uh, she is on Facebook I, I I really should try to connect yeah, with her
1: yeah I'd be interested. Sorry, uh sorry, not we, sorry we for did, calling you out.
0: We did once. It was funny because he left. He 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 had moved away. Um it's in the military. He had moved away, but then he came back to visit and I had a chance to hang with him. And it was kind of funny because um he had freedom tattooed on one of his arms as well, and we oh, cool. didn't know it was totally, totally separate. And so that was like kind of cool to see. But then also he um uh I remember his wife just kind of, I don't remember, she didn't say it in a derogatory way at all, but there was just some kind of a statement that she made that I like, I pulled, I don't remember what it was, but like he acted, it wasn't that he acted different, it was just there was this, that childhood connection that him and I had, there was something being brought out of him. When with me and probably was coming out of me as well. I just didn't have somebody beside me to, to point it out like like his wife could. And so there, there was just it was kind of cool to see that there was that uh, little bit of a recognition of just like that childhood connection that him and I had had when we had reconnected. But that was, I mean, that was more than 15 years ago when we reconnected. He wasn't gone for very long when we had had a chance to, to go back to it. But <clears throat> anyway, I, I he was super, super influential.
1: Yeah, so this song, um, what does it mean to me? Tyler Wolf showed me this song in the, I'd say around 2006 or something like that, 2006 or 2007, and right in line with Explosions in the Sky, who I also discovered around um, that time, Um, this was one of the first songs that I had ever heard that was like this. And I wouldn't say that there are really many or any songs exactly like this by any means, but the longer kind of um, epic uh, structure of a song that has both these very um, melodic and like lamenting parts, while also having some like um, you know more kind of fierce guitar <laughs> like uh, coming in with with some heavy guitar riffs or like breakdowns. I don't know. It's just it's. Um, very versatile you know and so i hadn't really heard any music like that and i mean to to go right into the song itself i mean the melody that the guitar plays when it starts is just like wow i don't know it just it just grabs you but it's very cathartic experience listening to this song without even knowing anything about it without knowing like the lyrics what they were about, what this band is, you know, what they're about. Um, and that, I don't know, just thinking about it now, looking back, that says a lot to me from, a, from an artist's perspective, because if you can, if you can evoke um, such a response out of a listener without having them know any of that, then you're doing something right. There's a, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a beauty and a
0: sadness in the sound, Mm-hmm. And I would maybe I would maybe describe like Hey Rosetta is that although Appleseed Cast and Hey Rosetta especially uh, this album of Appleseed Cast and Hey Rosetta they're very different style wise but there's a beauty and a sadness in it it's not a it's not a, um, I I don't know that's kind of the the best way that that's why it was it was kind of gripping at first is just the chords he's playing and the way they're strummed they're just there's a little bit of this um, beautiful heaviness to it
1: yeah I, I i completely agree and i'm i'm interested so when tyler introduced me to this song and and e- even as i think back now um i would i was in a rather difficult period in my life um perhaps not so much when I first heard this song but i didn't see what was happening but my life was was really kind of i was like imploding you know but i didn't see it um but it still tore me apart in in the best of ways that helped contribute to bring me to who I am today. And as I was like, you know, kind of studying this song and kind of picking it apart, that's one thing that I thought was really uh, brilliant about it, is that's kind of what the song is about lyrically, is this remembrance of youth, right? And And it's kind of talking about like, the evanescence of youth and and how like sweet and melodic it can be but yeah how fleeting it is you know and so it's kind of interesting to see how that very subject matter helped me connect but it helped me become who i am who i am today and so the one thing i'll I'll say and then I'll, i'll switch it over to you is i'm really interested on chris chrissy um who, if you're listening, I believe that's how he pronounces his, his mm. name, um, the, the front man. I'm really interested to know what his relationship with the, the drums were, how the drums are written, and what kind of connection he had with the drummer at the time. Because it is some of the best um, emotional expression of drums, That I've ever heard
0: like that's a cool way to put it
1: Mm -hmm. I I thought about I was listening to on the way over here this morning just just one last time I mean I've heard this song hundreds of times but I thought about it on the way over here I'm like man if there weren't any other instruments right and they just played these drums like this drum part just got played through man I would feel some some for like some feels yeah just over the drums and and I get I didn't really think about it until we started breaking this song down I'm like I never realized how much of an emotional response I have to these drum fills, to when the drums pick up, to when they slow down. And so that combined with the guitar melodies, then combined with Chris Chrissy's voice, it's just this triangulation of, that was part of it i'm it's cool that you can feel that because
0: that is um, it is quite amazing in in many many songs it, it, you don't get that kind of emotional response there was there was another band that was out at the time that i will break down one of their their songs too they're called dear ephesus and that drummer did the same kind of thing for me he had there's this emotional pull for whatever reason that he can have and there's this this um, uh, you you can't not the the connection between the music and the drumming is um it is absolutely apparent with with this album in its entirety really across pretty much all of Appleseed cast stuff but um um i do i do think that that's part of why my circle of friends at the time had highly regarded me wasn't just talented he pulled something out of the song that just another drummer just wouldn't that that connection was there that chemistry was there and so um i think too uh, it was fun i actually saw them live in support of this album which is crazy that i'm so happy i had a chance to see these guys live back when this album really came out because we saw apple c cast not all that long ago what was that maybe four years ago
1: it no, was in support wait, of...
0: No, you saw them like... Dude, I saw them supporting this album back in the day, and and they played in Illinois. Oh, my God. They played in Northern Illinois. I forget the venue. But Sleeping at Last played there. And Sleeping at Last, I think, got together in 1998. So um, the Apple cast had released uh, Mare Vitalis in the year 2000, another phenomenal album. That was their second album was Mare Vitalis. So I, it had to have been maybe 99, 1999, possibly, that I saw these guys in Illinois. And Sleeping At Last played, um, opened for them. And I had, didn't know at all who Sleeping At Last was, and they're from northern Illinois. And Sleeping At Last now is entirely different. That first album was very similar to the vein of Appleseed Cast. And that's how I heard about Sleeping at Last. Was saw them live, and I fell in love with them. I bought their album Capture that came out back then, um, when it came out. Um, but they they were a brand new. They had just formed, I think, in 1998. Sleeping at Last did. So they were they were a new band, and and went there. And I remember watching um, Appleseed Cast and the guitarist the entire show. The guitarist stood next to the drummer with his back to the audience and just bobbed back and forth. He never turned around. You never saw his face. And um, that actually was funny because growing up and even now uh, when I play, there's nothing more that I love than having my back to the audience looking at the drummer just playing the song. And, it, and it's, it's because of that moment that I saw that guitarist. Like These guys were like heavily influential to me. And so, uh, it's funny that I have I have so few memories. I have that I distinctly remember watching that and and enjoying that moment uh, uh, with them. And and it was kind of cool to see Sleeping at Last even back when they when they rocked out that hard. But um, uh, when we saw them play Mare Vitalis, the um, it was 15 year anniversary of that album. So that would have been 2015 because that came out in 2000. So boy, that was that's going on six years now. What a phenomenal show. I mean, that was great. And it was funny because they they didn't they didn't just play only the songs from Mary Vitalis. They played other songs from other albums as well. And I, I remember calling out, do you, do you remember? I don't know if they asked if people would say, "Hey, what song do you want to hear?" I can't remember if they actually asked it. But I felt compelled to say play play Marigold and Patchwork. And I knew though that they weren't going to do it because I they don't play They don't play anything from this album. They really don't support it anymore. Like, they they would never go out and do a... If they ever came out and did an anniversary for this album, I don't care where they are. I'm going to go watch it. But I don't think they do it anymore. I remember reading that somewhere that they won't play it. And it was so funny when I said Marigold and Patchwork... Um, the drummer looked at me like they have been asked this so many times to play songs off of this album. He looked at me with disgust. Like he had the look, and this is not the same drummer. That was a different drummer back then. They have a, a different drummer now than who it was. They might've even gone through a couple of them. I don't really know. But, uh, he just had this look of disgust and verbally just said, no, <laughs>
1: I just, he said, no. Oh yeah.
0: It was like, I, that guy was No. He, he, it was so funny. But Chris Chrissy looked over and uh, he said from the stage, he's, he said, uh, um, we're, we're, doing the, we're doing the reunion tour for that album next year or something like that. And he got me. Like in that moment I was like, I was like, really? And then he's like, No. <laughs> but he at least like let he was like he That's was funny. He was he kinda like did this no thing. Cause we were in, dude, the venue we saw him in, how many people were there? It was oh, the same man. venue we saw Hey Rosetta. It's such a yeah. shame. Oh, there was man. less than a hundred people there.
1: Oh yeah. And
0: this is like this is a band that formed who I am musically. And we got to see we were we were at their feet, watching them, right. So I, ha- I, it was so funny. It was so cool to be able to like connect in that way because these, these, this is the man, Chris crissy and this is the band that is like my childhood, whatever. And I don't, I, I don't like the concept of like having these idols that, he, whatever. But this man is as close to it as somebody could be for me, but, along with David Bazan, and and uh, really along with David Bazan, maybe a little bit of Derek Webb. But but this this was, that was so cool. That was just a, kind of a funny moment. I knew they weren't going to play it because I knew they didn't play these songs. But I had to say it because I wanted to be that like, I've been with you guys since the beginning. You know what I mean? I had to yeah. be kind of like this, whatever. So I love that response from the drummer. But um, anyway, uh, um, they, they watching them play live, playing Mare Vitalis, I, I would love to see Appleseed cast again sometime, but I don't feel like I have to. I feel like being able to see them back then because they're the albums they're putting out now while I like them I have never gone as hard in the paint on any of their new newer kind of stuff than than um, their first few albums it, two conversations I really got into the album two conversations but that was like early 2000s and and stuff but but uh, anyway um, I thought that was kind of a, a funny uh, a, you know a funny or a fun experience to have that being right next to them live but <clears throat> I would say this a kind of a funny little detail with Appleseed Cast. Um, when they when they came out with this album in 1998, I was only listening to Christian music, and so and really I think so was Sean Cranch. Well, Sean would listen to other things, but it, him and I really both only explored you know like bands from Tooth and Nail and and uh, Bulletproof Records and some of these other indie indie uh, Christian labels that were putting out music. And what, what made it okay for us was that they thanked God in the liner notes. Because I distinctly remember asking Sean, are these guys a Christian band? And he said, yeah, they say right here, God, for, for making this possible. They thank God in here. And that was all I needed as the warrant to be able to listen to this album. And so this is one of those bands, like on Deep Elm Records, that... I I ended up listening to him because I associated that young age. Oh, they must be a Christian label, and so I started listening to other bands like Benton Falls and other ones on there. They just clearly weren't, but they had thank God in the liner notes, and so um, I'm, boy, is that just very bizarre for me to think about. But I was eighth, ninth grade, you know. So I I don't know. It was it was just kind of a uh, that was a funny excuse to be able to to listen to him, and I am obviously. Incredibly happy that I allowed myself to listen to this band
1: so i'm gonna I'm gonna talk a, a little bit about that live show because theres something funny that happened there um, and, and I'll explain to you why why life is weird and it isn't fair um, by just telling you a story from that show but I, 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 a few things I want to say one I can channel the strangeness the humor perhaps the the slight feelings of weirdness about being that grown adult in the crowd yelling something that you want them to play or whatever. Dude, I've felt that way so many times. And most of the time the artists come to my rescue and kind of bail me out with a kind little joke, like a one-off joke that Chris Chrissy made to you and stuff like that. They're not always that kind. So sometimes like you'll express your, you know what I mean? Like, dude, I've been with you, you know, like, this is how much you mean to me. And then they're just kind of like, leave you hanging, you know? And it's like, ooh, I feel really weird right now. So I'm glad he at least, like, I'm glad it wasn't just the drummer that said no, and then there was no more discussion. And then you're like, thanks for making me feel like an ass when I literally gave you the power. Yeah, You could have been like, hey, man, I appreciate it, but not now. (laughs) But see, the other thing that was in the back of my mind was, I, I, well,
0: one, like I said, I knew they weren't going to play it because I knew they yeah. didn't support it. But also, I'm pretty sure Chris Chrissy is the only original member still in it. Uh, yeah. So it was like, I don't care what you other guys say. I'm here for the, I'm for, here for that guy. I'm not normally there for the front man, but in this case, I am because he was the only one around when the album was made that was so highly influential on me.
1: And, and, and a note on that drummer too, that dude was, first of all, amazing oh yeah he was so good that so it was almost good, robotic i remember yep. we we're making jokes that we literally thought he was a robot because yeah the dude seemed like he like works at some music studio and when people like chris chrissy want to get on the road and play like an anniversary like album or something it's like okay you can rent version one for this much <laughs> version two you know what i mean and that guy was like it's Appleseed cast so he knew like When he went to the music robot store, okay, (laughs) he knew that he could skimp on maybe the bassist and the the guitarist, but he knew he had to get version one for the drummer. (laughs) And so that guy was the top of the line robot drummer. But anyways, why why I think uh, life is strange and not fair (laughs) is because I watched something happen during that show. So if you're listening right now, you clearly heard how much this song and this band means to Brandon. And it's, you know, really gripping. It's, it's really cool to hear, man, and, and we'll, we'll get to the lyrics hopefully after I talk about this, um, but to just hear how formative certain things are and how impactful, like, really drives me to just continue investing myself in consuming art, you know, trying to create art, different things like that. Like, artistic influences are just invaluable you know what I mean? At whatever age we're at. So it's just really cool to hear the timeline of what this song has meant to you and where it brought you. And that's why life is weird. Because fast forward to 2015, you're watching this band that you've been listening to for 17 years. And it's just this incredible experience that that you've been having periodically. And while we're at this show, I I was hoping... And I think, you know, before I go any further, if I'm not mistaken, you did get to, like, thank him for his artistry, right? And you got to shake his hand and just say a few things. Yeah, just when
0: he was walking through the... after Afterward, it was such a small show. Like, he got off the stage and walked through the crowd because it's like the only way that you can yeah. go. So he just kind of brushed up by me. I honestly don't really vividly remember the exchange. I just remember him passing by and I just kind of wanted to make sure I said something
1: to speak my piece. Okay, and I think, I think you said something along the lines, like, hey man, I'm a huge fan. You know, you're very casual about it and we're just like, thanks, thanks for what you do. I'm gonna tell you what happened before that because I don't know if you remember this, but I was watching this guy throughout the show because he was progressively getting more intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And progressively becoming, it was pretty apparent to me that I don't believe he had ever heard Appleseed cast before, ever. I profiled the guy. He didn't look like he'd ever listened to Appleseed cast before. <laughs> and I don't give a shit how that sounds. <laughs> it was this younger kid, and he just kind of showed up at the party as if it could have been anyone on stage, and he was just drinking and having a good time, which is cool, right? Which is cool. But he was getting more intoxicated. And you could tell some of the OG fans there, such as yourself, were just, you know, enamored, taking it in. Reading the room, as one would say. This guy wasn't necessarily reading the room. <laughs> and so if I, had to, if I had to guess, I'm thinking, he, and, and this is why I, I need to preface this as a storyteller. I need you to get into my head. This is what I believe happened to the guy. It's Friday, Saturday night. He's a student. He's a Madison student or just just a dude around that age in the city of Madison. He wants to go out with his girl. He was there with a girl. He wanted to go out with his buddies, get some drinks, right? He goes to this bar. He starts drinking. He's feeling pretty good. There's a band playing. He continues drinking. He's getting pretty drunk. Because he started saying some things that were like almost weird, like kind of made me feel uncomfortable. Like, you guys fucking rock. You know, that kind of like, it's like, Hey, man, don't make this weird for us. Like, we're all in this. You're kind of fucking it up. So stop that. But then by the end of the show, he was so drunk. And Chris Christie got off stage. And this guy goes up to Chris Chrissy and, like, kind of hugs him and, like, wants to talk to him. And I remember Chris Chrissy, like, laughed. Like, he was so uncomfortable and kind of pulled away. And then he realized this guy was for real. And he's like, dude, you're so fucking... And he started saying how good he was and like all this, this weird stuff and I remember feeling protective as a friend because you were right there I'm like hey man, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. This is Brandon's time <laughs> he has been invested in this band for 17 years and you're just going to go out on a Friday, Saturday night in Madison and ruin this opportunity because I just want you to be able to say like hey man, and so what happened and I don't know if you saw any of this or if this even matters, what happened is you got the opportunity to talk to Chris Chrissy right after that happened. And I just fell for you, man. Because he pretty much almost got borderline sexually assaulted by this man. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping he was at least present in the moment with you. But that's why I just think life isn't fair. Because you can listen to a band for 17 years and want to like express to them how much they mean to you. But some 19-year-old kid's going to smoke some weed, drink some beer, go to a show and make it weird. And that's why
0: I yeah, I can appreciate you saying that, but it, it would be, it would be weirder for me to try to have a conversation with him that would express how meaningful
1: his music It has would been be. It would be very, because weird, yeah.
0: it would, it's like, there's not enough time in that moment and it's not the right moment. And it's also, I'm never going to have that moment with him and I don't need it. And, and like with, with multiple artists that have meant a lot to me, I almost want to just keep it in my mind where it's at. And being able to look somebody in the eye and at least say to them, thank you for your honesty over the years and for what you've done with music. It's meant a lot. I think in a short sentence statement like that, you say everything you need to say that if you had 10 minutes with them, it it wouldn't be much more than that anyway. And uh, And I think that like... For example, Derek Webb played a show in Nashville and Brian Bartz and his wife and then Becky and I, we went down to Nashville to hang out to see him. We stayed at a hotel and uh, just kind of h- had like a, uh, a really great like couple hang- couple's hangout thing. That would have been a perfect opportunity after that to actually have like maybe a brief conversation with him because there weren't a ton of people there. But like the only thing I can think of when it was done is like, all right, let's go because putting them in a position after they're on stage, I feel super uncomfortable about it because everybody wants to have their moment with them. And Becky and I actually saw him at a house show and there were even fewer people there. There were like 20 people there, 20 to 25 people in just some random person's house. Of course, when you go to a house show, we paid whatever it was and went to Milwaukee and sat in somebody's house and watched Derek Webb. And if my wife weren't there when he would have been done, I probably would have just opened the door and left. But my wife was like, let's just try to talk with him. And it was actually kind of cool. We, uh, we had a chance to talk for a couple of minutes, took a picture with him, all the typical things that somebody would do. It was really the only time I've ever done that with any artist, but it felt a little more fitting within somebody's home in such an intimate setting that that seemed in my mind Like, you know what? This makes sense right here. It would almost be weirder if I just watched him play and then just went out the front door of somebody's home. It like that home kind of setting changed it. So anyway, I don't don't feel like I ever need to express my undying love to these people. My connection is with their art anyway. They're human beings with families and kids and And all the regular day-to-day shit, and yes, of course, if I could have a friendship or relationship with them like I have with you, of course I would want to, that would be great, but how are you going to do that when you live so far apart? It's just never going to happen. So where does it need to remain within the music? And that's where it is. And so my relationship is not with Chris Chrissy um or the drummer that played on this album it's with it's with the sounds coming out of the speakers when i listen to it that's what my relationship is with that sound and i want to leave it there i'm i'm super happy to leave it there but i don't have you know what's funny is as meaningful as this song is to me i i don't it would be hard for me to like actually go through verses, choruses, talk about these things, because it's so ingrained in me that it's almost like kind of talking a little bit about my life experiences with certain things, to be honest with you. I don't mean to sound stupid with that, but I, I don't have a really deep connection necessarily with the lyric, the lyrical content. I think the way the melody of his vocal line and kind of the strain in his voice, especially when he comes out just right out with fall on fall down that strain in his voice was really indicative of good emo music at the time, and that, that kind of pain within it was was great. But where this song and the lyrical content within is a great snapshot, I think I was the perfect age to hear this when I did, because Chris Chrissy would have been you know pretty young, probably early 20s, I don't know how old he was, I don't know what year he was born, but he probably was late teens or early 20s when he wrote this. And why that's important is, you know, when you start getting in your 20s and you've been out of your parents' house and you've been having to work to be able to afford an apartment and now you have responsibilities, you've got car insurance and all the shit that comes with being, you know, growing up there's an immediate pining like you're only let's say four or five years separated from living in your parents house eating from their fridge they're paying for your bills essentially to moving out and pining for your youth and less responsibility comes very quickly in your early to mid-20s life is a struggle at that point you're 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 poor because you're just you, you have no resume built you have no credit built you know, if if you don't come from from a large inheritance or a wealth um, within family, you 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 got it. You got to work to earn. You know, and so I think lyrically, the content within is nothing super special, especially looking at it as somebody that's in their mid thirties. And maybe is also why they probably just preferred not to play the songs because it's teenage angsty kind of kind of stuff, without going overboard. I think they're just kind of vague lyrics. But when you're pining for your youth like that, it's so funny that somebody that would be in their early to mid-20s when they write this, or possibly late teens, would write lyrics about pining for their youth. And I think ultimately what they're pining for is less responsibility because it's hard when you're poor and young. And so that connection... Of it, I think he does a good job lyrically for it. And if I were 35 years old and first heard this song, I probably wouldn't have nearly the connection because the history matters, the time frame of when I heard it matters for it to have that meaning. I do, I do like the lyric of um, "Forever turns out just the same as two months," um, which comes on in the second yeah. in the second verse. I actually really like that line, and I think that line upholds very well. Because um, there can be a feeling um, there can be a feeling of like you feel like you would have progressed further on something that you think about or something that you've been doing and you feel like, you know what, let me actually put it in a much simpler term. There's this feeling when you don't work out of like, you know what, I think I'm going to start working out tomorrow. And then a month goes by. Ah, oh, man, I should really, you know what? Maybe I'll start next week. And then a year goes by. It's like, you know what? I I, I really should get in shape. I want to be able to do this. And then another year's go, year goes by. And forever turns out just the same as two months. <laughs> okay? So when you, that that's more or less what I'm trying to, that line kind of means a little bit to me is there are deeper concepts within you, not on working outside. But there are deeper concepts and deeper things that, that you th- you think about and that you might struggle with that that it feels like forever is just the same as 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 two as two months and i I don't am I explaining that well enough to kind of understand what I feel like the concept means to me oh yeah. And, and that, that, I think the song, lyrically, when he talks about those days when spokes wound baseball cards, tear, hear them roar, it's a cool reference. And Faster Still Those Boards Which Let Fly Souls, which he's talking about skateboarding, which is another kind of indicative thing when you're young. I think everybody, when they were young around that time, tried skateboarding, you know. So he's got some elements of, of youth in that kind of mindset of, of, you know what, I feel like I'd be further along, but it turns out just the same. And uh, you're kind of pining for a simpler, less responsibilities and all that.
1: I think part of the, I mean, you hit on it early on, and I, I thought of the word like lament. You know, it's, it's, like a, it's like a, there's a lament to this song. And it almost seems like a kind of a colorful funeral of youth. You know what I mean? Kind of like a mourning in intriguing ways. And so, and that's just, and it's interesting to hear you put it in a context of how old the artist, you know, probably was at, at the time that, you know, he wrote it and it is, it is. So I, I probably took some of this out of context with not considering the context, but, um, you know, I, I thought that for the, for the, the, the structure of the song, I think the drums, you know, obviously are on point. I think the song is, is, is kind of like mini songs in one, yet they seem to somehow thread it all together. Because the final 45 seconds, it's like this, this gorgeous, you know, funeral of the song itself. Um, and it, it may, the, the imagery I thought of as if the song has been laid neatly down um, in a casket, set on a raft, and pushed into calm waters to drift away um, as elegantly as the song began. You know, it like kind of drifts in and then like drifts out, but there's so much obviously activity that happens in between, and it's it's you know to use your word indicative of kind of youth. You know, it kind of comes in, it's there, and 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 then it goes, and so that 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 fleeting notion, um, and so the first section of the song, uh, up until I think it's like a minute thirteen when that when that guitar comes in, um, and the feedback you know draws draws everything else. Um, they just get down to business, and it just yeah. It,
0: it, I put a note on that feedback because they use feedback throughout the song on multiple different parts, and <clears throat> it's never disruptive and never takes away. And it adds, in it, it adds different. It adds in a different way to the song than feedback usually does uh, to other tracks. They use it in an incredibly creative way.
1: Yeah, and feedback is a really. I think it's a very. I don't think it'll ever be. Um, no one's territory you know what i mean i don't i don't think anyone's ever gonna be like all right we got to stop using feedback you just have to i think i think if you can find a way because it's a natural occurrence in the music environment you know what i mean feedback and so to incorporate it purposefully into song is uh i think that's 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 it's maybe
0: this this track is maybe one of the most musical examples i can think of of the use of feedback yeah. in a, in a very musical way, because often feedback will be used to kind of preface going into a harder part. It will yeah. you end a song and allow the guitars to feedback. So it has this like big, bold, badass ending or something, but they use it in a very musical way throughout verses and throughout the song. That's just, um, uh, adds to the emotion of it, which is not indicative of feedback really. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of cool how, how they, uh, how they incorporate it. Um, well, I, I was interrupting you.
1: No, no. If you're on something, I can always go back. Well,
0: I, I think, in you know, in all honesty, I mean, we've already been. It's already fifty minutes in, and I think while I haven't talked too many, too too much about a lot of the musical elements, I think where <clears throat> when it comes to elements, it's pretty basic. You've got the guitars, the, the the bass, and the drums, and then the vocals. There aren't a whole lot of different instrument instruments that come in without this or in throughout the song, but the second guitar parts throughout this song, the, 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 the different, um, harmonies and stuff that the the different octave lines, um, just sometimes there's this very methodical, like they consistently stay on a couple of notes, but it never gets old. And, uh, it's in my opinion, incredibly brilliant use of, of, uh, dual guitar, multiple guitar parts. It never they never distract from each other, they never take away, it's always adding and it's really creating that mood. And so the 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 drums for sure set the stage in in my opinion of pulling out the best of the song, but it's also incredibly enhanced by just brilliant second guitar parts all the way through this whole thing. I mean, they don't they don't just double up guitars to double up guitars. I mean, it's they're very meaningful. Uh, parts that really pull from you. And I think if you were to actually make like a, um, kind of a, 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 stringed arrangement of this with some violins and cellos, I'm telling you it would probably just, it would probably pull tears out of you because the, the different harmonies and different parts that the guitars are, are doing. If you heard that with, um, like just with the use of strings, it would, it would be something else, man. It'd be absolutely gorgeous.
1: Yeah, I. That's a, that's a really good idea. Um, so the key lyrical themes and lines for me, um, as, as I mentioned, I use the word the evanescence of youth, and um, the melody of the song and lamenting in his voice transports me to the golden era of exactly what he's singing about. Uh, baseball cards and spokes and flying off boards. Uh, to me, I'm not sure if he's talking about a, a bike jump, you know, plywood boards that you'd launch off of. Um oh that's uh, you know what? In all the
0: times I've heard this, I've never thought of that. It was always just skateboards to me. Oh cool. Because the boards it, that let fly souls, it was I think it was just a reference to when you're young, you ride your bike or you ride your skateboard. Yeah, it's just cool. That you makes know, you, a lot of sense. You put the baseball card in there and it spins and makes the motor sound, or yeah. the boards that let fly souls was always just a skateboard to me.
1: Uh, that that's probably what it is, but um, that
0: that is cool because you would you'd lay down a board and you'd jump your bike off of it. Yeah, That's and cool. so I thought I let yeah. fly like yeah, souls. Yeah, I yeah. thought he was he was being no, planned it could words. very well be that. That's cool.
1: Um, I, I think the most most distinctive uh, relationship he has to reflecting on times of youth is when expressed when he sings "I'll work it out." Um, because you know it's 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 like. I don't know, that's what he's doing with writing the song. He's working it out, you know? He's, he's working out this, this relationship to the past. And I, I think um, my, my, my favorite lyric is really just the fall down, how it starts with fall down. Because there's just something magical about how the song begins with demanding this sort of humility, or at least I took it when I was younger, this opening up of the heart to be letting go of everything and allowing yourself to just kind of like dream for six minutes you know, like, I don't know, that's, that's uh, when you, and it's, it's kind of hard to pull off. I don't know. They, I think maybe because it's such an extensive opening that by the time he says fall down, he's really, I, I think the band's really kind of captured my attention because if you just start the song with that, you know, it's almost like typical kind of emo, like, no, you're not, I'm not letting you in, you know, cause I take the fall down as just like bearing yourself, allowing yourself to be um, kind of like subservient in a honorable well, way. And it's know?
0: also something that happens all the time when you're young, scraping your knees, falling down, yeah. falling off your bike, falling off the skateboard. Yeah, You know, it, it, it constantly, like Charlie is falling down all the time. Like yeah. I fall down like once a year. <laughs> yeah. Charlie falls down like 15 times a day. Okay, so it's also an act of your youth as well. So I don't, there's a parallel in there. I'm yeah, not saying that's yeah. what he's saying, but it, it is. It's, it's, the whole thing is kind of indicative of the younger times and the youth in my mind. It at least ties in with that.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just uh, kind of wrap it up here. I'll just say one more thing and then carry it over to you. The, the nerd level detail, oh, I already went over that. I guess I'll give my, it'll be fitting to let you finish it off. So I'll just give my life application. And then just let you talk about whatever you want to talk about to close it out. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'll preface it by saying, like, if you're listening and you didn't have any, you know, sweet um, <laughs> childhood memories, like, that's really depressing and I'm sorry. And I hope you're doing all right. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, my life application is to, to be childlike and find ways to allow those sweet moments of your youth to enhance your present. Um, cause I, would like to think I, I had, um, I, I shouldn't say I'd like to think, I believe I had, you know, for myself, personally speaking, like a relatively like challenging childhood. Um, and, and I have no idea where anyone else is at. I just know for me, but for my sake, as like a young adult, I spent a lot of time allowing the haunting memories of my past blot out some of the more, some of the more blissful times, you know? and even however scarce they may have been at times. And so any sort of like magical memory you can carry with you is, I think is just a blessing. It's very fortunate. And I think to allow that to propel you forward, because I mean, to be, you know, cheesy and meta, like, isn't that, (laughs) I mean, other than our possessions, which as we know are going to wither away, aren't our memories, you know, Um, our greatest possession right you know it's what we have and so i don't know this song for some reason that's how it struck me as i was listening to it is just like this taking more command over how i allow myself to remember you know what i mean being trying to push those 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 wonderful moments to the front you know and uh being proud of them so well, I, there
0: are a couple of things before I get into my life application that I th- I think I would just want to mention. Um of course, my favorite musical element in this has to be the drums. The second guitar parts are are also a close second with how brilliant they are, but the drums I I can't <clears throat> I can't talk enough about how just influential they were and still are on on my listening and 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 what I even when I write and what I think about. Um they just define Really good drums in my mind. The drums on this song—it's uh, hard to pick a favorite moment, and I—I yeah, I, I mean, that would be typical for a song that's meant so much. So, if I had to say it, at three minutes and twenty-two seconds, there uh, the bridge comes in where they do the the hits, and then he does the the harmonics on the guitar. And do you, Mike? Do you know what harmonics are? I believe so, but I'm not sure. Okay. I, I, I should stop asking you like it seems like on some of these nerd level details I ask and I, I genuinely check to just know if it's like I, harmonics are one of those things that people hear and so it's a pretty common I'm pretty sure that people I know sound. what
1: they are yeah but
0: there are there are a couple of different ways. There are a couple of different techniques to 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 really create. Ultimately, what they're actually creating is is what is actually better defined as artificial harmonics. So harmonics happen when when you play a guitar chord or just a note on the guitar and you let it go out. There are harmonics within that chord, but what you're hearing is the fundamental note. Is really establishing the presence. So, like if, if I were to take a guitar out and just strum a strum, if I were to just play the E string, the low E string, and just let it ring out, what you would mostly be hearing is just the fundamental note. But there are overtones and harmonics that are within that that are kind of littered in there. And when you create an artificial harmonic on the guitar, you're um, you're actually kind of canceling or trying to eliminate that fundamental note and just have the the higher end um, sounding harmonic sound. And how how uh, there there are, are really a couple of main techniques that guitarists use. They they do artificial harmonics, which is kind of like a soft touch harmonic, or they do um, a pinched harmonic, which takes a lot of practice and a lot of time to do very well. And In metal music, pinched harmonics provide a sound that um, is uh, very—it's very indicative, mostly of like metal kind of music. And if you, uh, um, yeah, you uh, just—it'll come up in songs, and I'll bring it up when somebody's doing pinched harmonics. But in this one, on that bridge. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of other songs and this came out, you know, in 1998, there aren't, aren't a lot of songs that the bridge is really kind of built around just playing different harmonics to, to, to provide the sound of it. Um, typically harmonics are added as like just little, little, it's like seasoning. They just kind of pepper, pepper them in there and in certain parts. But the sound of, of the guitar, um, at that three minutes and 22 seconds, um, when they hit those harmonics, that was kind of my introduction to harmonics. I, I remember having to have Sean kind of show me how to do those after I heard the song, because I didn't know how to make that sound with the guitar. And so really all you do, and it's, there, there, are, there are frets on the guitar that are, are much easier to do these on, but you just have this soft touch where you, you barely touch the string and you pick it at the same time. So with your left hand, if you're right-handed, with your left hand, you, you just soft touch the string, and then you pluck it at the same time with your right hand, and it, it makes that harmonic, really high-pitched um, sound. And uh, um, some frets you can't really do it on. Um, it depends on the frets that you're on, and you can make really cool musical sounding things with it. Pinched harmonics are different. You're actually fretting the note. So you're pushing down on the on the string on the fret, not just soft touching it. And then you're actually with your guitar pick, you're both plucking the string with your pick and the top of your thumb at the same time. And so it almost it takes that strike and then it makes it bounce. I, I it's it, it and, and it you can you can actually pinch a note almost on any fret and give it that kind of sound. And then you could also bend it with the string. Where with artificial harmonics, you don't bend it. You just tap it and then it, it resonates. With pinched harmonics, you can actually bend notes and do some really crazy stuff. And you can really hear the talent in some people when they can shred and pinch harmonics as they're shredding. It's a masterful, very technical um, thing to, to learn.
1: I th- I think I know... I'm almost certain I know what both are. Pinched harmonics, is that also on the streets referred to as squealing a piggy? Yeah,
0: pinching a hoggy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> both of those phrases are dumb as hell, so I will let it pass, dude. dude the, uh, wait. <laughs> screaming a hog. I've never heard that. But uh, Tyler Tomaszewski. Um, Tyler Tomaszewski can pinch a hoggy pretty well. He, he, in Shaggy, we'd have, we'd have, did pinched, I say squealing a you, piggy. You did. He said squealing a piggy. Uh, Tyler, Tyler was the, he's the first guy I ever heard call it pinching a hoggy. So it could be something that different. That's what he called it. And so the phrase stuck with me. But uh, um, they're pinched harmonics.
1: Yeah. And then I'm going to really make a fool out of myself again here. But I think I know, and I'll pass this off to you so you can close it out. This is not important for me to say at all during the segment. But I'm going to anyways. Because I tried to make a sound with my mouth and the cities burn. <laughs> and, dude, it was the most embarrassing. Like, it was really awful. But I'm going to try again. Mm-hmm. Are the harmonics in the part that you're talking about when it goes... Can't do it, dude. The hits go. That's
0: the part. Okay. Okay, that's what I thought it was. I'm glad
1: you did it. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't. I don't do
0: mouth guitar very well. But that that at least leads you where it's at. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. uh, Sorry. And and keep going. Yeah, so it's it's just they it's a beautiful use of harmonics really. It's very musical. Harmonics are musical anyway, but they actually build a kind of a part around that and it's super creative. I don't hear I can't really think of another song that builds a part around utilizing the harmonics in that way even to this day. And so it's just kind of a, a creative thing. And so that's a little bit nerding out on the differences in harmonics and how you use it. And then I also I have to mention this because I think that this this kind of is a little bit nerd-level detail and then helps me transition into my life application. So when Apple Seed cast came out, that's what they were called was Apple Seed Cast. And then somewhere along the line, and it might have even been when Mare Vitalis came out in 2000, they turned into the AppleseedCast. And so they are the Appleseed cast now. And when you, when you look at all their, all their albums online, you look them up on Amazon Music and you go to play them, they are the Appleseed cast. But they have always been Appleseed cast in my mind because that's who they were on the first album. And this, this, um, I, this freaked me out for a second because I thought that I just like, had this memory from my youth that I took with me getting older that I was like, am I just remembering this wrong? I couldn't, couldn't. I, I, don't, I don't know, there's something about it. So I went and I looked up, um, I, I looked it up, and if you look on my screen here, Michael, you will see on the album art for this album, do you see how on the top right it says the Appleseed cast? And it's on this album. I saw that and I was like, dude, my memory is that this is Appleseed cast. This is not the Appleseed cast on this album. So what did I do? I dug up the artwork from the original album that I bought back in 1998 or 99 when this came out, and guess what it doesn't have? The word the. They were Appleseed cast, and somewhere they actually even changed the album art for this album to show the Appleseed cast. And I have no idea why the word the was so important to them that they would modify this album. And what it did though was like it kind of just brought in my mind the fact that they don't play this song, the songs on this album anymore, support this album really. And that <clears throat> the even the name of the band is different, which is just the word the. But it was kind of like um, it, it almost feels in a way that Chris Chrissy or maybe the the people that played music with him, there's they want to erase this. Like there's just this it's, it it happened at a time and now it it it's just maybe it served its purpose back then and they've just moved on and they're done with it. And that's okay. That's okay to have that. There are there are things from my youth that it's just like, you know what? I'd rather they were just different. And I think that whole the the lyrical content of this song how young I was when this came in Kind of the erasure, the, the erasing of this album in, in their um, now, now and, and, and even the changing of the band name. It was just kind of this, um, it was all so indicative of kind of that youthful angst. And you know what, I've grown up now and I just would rather have this not be a part of my life. And that's okay with me. That's totally fine. Because um, there are th- things within my life that I would say parallel that. But there's also this, like, just understanding that those things that happened were instrumental in building who you are now. And, and um, I think there's, like, a deeper life lesson somewhere within that. That, you know, I, I'm, I carry within myself this slight disappointment that this album is kind of erased from there. They, they would support Mayor Vitalis, which came out a mere two years later. And the sound is, is a bit different, um, but it's also a bit different than an album that they would come out with now from Mare, Vi- Mare Vitalis's you know? so it's got a little bit of that first album a little bit of kind of their sound now and it did progress into something Low Level Owl that came out I think in 2001 only a year after Mare Vitalis was ultimately what began to shape kind of their sound now and that was actually their most it was Low Level Owl Volumes 1 and 2 that are kind of their high, most acclaimed albums as a band and it also is much closer to their sound now and so they do have a different sound. It was more angsty, just like Sleeping at Last, man. It's a perfect kind of parallel because the sound is entirely different now than it was the music they were playing when these guys were there. But there's a part of me, and maybe it's just me pining for my own youth, which is kind of the theme of this song, that like, I just, I just wish that that wouldn't be erased, or at least there was some nod to this that, that could still happen from 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 them. And I would maybe mostly kind of like to know why, I guess. I don't I couldn't really find maybe I just didn't dig deep enough, but I couldn't really find where that was, why Chris Chrissy, you know, has that, what what's going on with it, that is slightly disappointing because I do think that um, you know, a, an artist like Derek Webb, I think embodies what I'm trying to say. He will play shows and play all the songs that he played in his past from Cademan's Call, and he's a different man now, has a different set of beliefs now, but he understands the journey that he went through to get there now, and he understands the people that went through the journey with him, and that while hearing some of those old songs can be comforting to them, they don't have to see eye to eye with them anymore. There's just there's a memory in that. There's a path that you went through. There's, there's learning that happened through that, and erasing it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. And we all grow up, and I even mentioned it. If a band came out that had some of the lyrical content that this one does and maybe some simpler elements with them, I, I, just, I probably wouldn't connect as much with them. But there's a time and a place for that. And I think a tip of the hat to that um, goes a long way, and I think we can all apply that in our lives, is have that tip of the hat to your youth, although you might want to move on, um, I I don't necessarily see and I could be off on this. Um, but right now I don't necessarily see the importance of erasing that because it wasn't horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I think I think largely what you're talking about really is self-forgiveness and which the opposite of self-forgiveness is condemning yourself. <laughs> Not forgiving yourself. And I think in the artistic realm, a poet in our writing department, a teacher he, he teaches poetry in our in our creative writing department at school. I'm an editor on our literary mag at school, and we have meetings every Monday night. And one one student said something about being embarrassed of her work like a year ago or something like that. And he's like, oh, well, you need to get used to that feeling because that's never going to go away. <laughs> and and this, oh, is yeah. some, this is someone who's like literally made it as a writer. And the way he said it too was kind of like charming because he's become so... Uh, familiar with that feeling, and it it made me think that night just just his response and there's things that i 've written so long ago that i 'm probably in many ways almost like embarrassed about but you oh for sure you, I have music that i 'm incredibly embarrassed about, yeah but yeah. you have to have if you don 't have if you just condemn yourself, then that 's such a wasteful mm-hmm. way to process it if you forgive yourself and it 's not like it's just saying, oh, I understand. Like, Because if you say something that you think is foolish, that's you saying, I don't think I should have said that. Or I said it in a way that was dull or not creative or whatever. But when you forgive yourself, what you're saying is like, oh, but I understand. Like, this is where I was at. And even if I don't understand, that's fine. I'm okay with it. And I think that's a huge part of the um, artistic journey is just... I, when when you're const- if if you're a if you're a fallible human, and your practice is to express yourself, what do you think's gonna come out? Yeah, your shit. Yeah, dude. Ten years from now, we could
0: listen back on exactly what we're saying right now and feel embarrassed.
1: Right, and so absolutely could happen. And hey, there's a couple people, right? There's not a couple, but there's some people every generation that just seem to do it perfect all the time, <laughs> and those people are called. Artistic geniuses, and so if you're not in that select few, I mean, just get used to the fact that, yeah, we can all be kind of dumb sometimes, yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry, man. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about this song. I know how important it is to you, and um yeah, well, I think I think the other thing that I would just leave
0: with everybody is, you know, listen to albums in their entirety, from artists that mean a lot to you listen to their albums. Don't just listen to songs. You know, if we all hear songs all the time, it's actually really, I mean, it's even, it's even more nowadays than it was even 10 years ago that just, you just listen to songs and, uh, um, radio kind of helps radio kind of helped usher that in and, and and getting bands on the map and, and doing all that. But I think when you love an artist, um, listen to their albums from start to finish. And and I will often... Like, this, I would never... Um, the only time that I would listen to just this song was to prepare for something like this. But I would never just turn this song on. It would be, I'm going to listen to the album The End of the Ring Wars now. And so this, it, it's almost weird talking about just one song because I've only ever known this song to be a part of the whole, that whole album. You know what I mean? And so I would just encourage um to, to to listen to those to, to listen to it because that kind of like deep-seated memory in my head of, of listening to this with sean Cran i think was also kind of <clears throat> to this day when a new album comes out and i just sit and stare at those speakers that are across the room it's because of that moment that happened with sean that i do that to this day and that i take those moments because of how inspirational and influential it was